Welcome to the Mountain Park Church Podcast. We're excited to share this week's message with you. Our mission is to allow God to work in and through us, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has been working in or through you. Email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in and through you. Hey everyone, it is so good to be back with you. My name is Andrew and I am the lead pastor at Mountain Park Church. So whatever you're doing today, right now, wherever you're watching this or listening to this, it is a privilege to be back. We had a family holiday out west for a while, uh, which was amazing, but it's super great to be back today. I am going to dive into a few things that I've just been processing over the last uh, few months. And these are just some things that I've been working through in my own life with God. And I I just feel like um, they're things that are practical and I wanted to share them with you today. So here's what we're gonna do. If you have a Bible, uh, grab it. If it's uh, on your phone, get your phone, open up your Bible. We are going to cover one of the most famous passages in all of scripture, but um, there's some new things that I feel like God has been teaching me practically about how to read this and interpret it in a greater context. So uh, before we do that, let's just pray and that'll give you a chance to grab your Bible and get set. So Father, we just submit ourselves to you again this morning, um, this evening, whenever it is we're listening to this, watching it. We just give our lives over to you. And our desire in this is to know you. Our desire is to be faithful and obedient to you, to walk in intimacy with you. And so we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and to teach us through the word of God today. We invite your counsel and your wisdom. We invite your conviction and everything that you bring. We love you. And we just um, ask that you would bring clarity to your word today. Uh, Father, in the name of Jesus, if there's anything present going on in our lives or in our homes or in this moment even that is opposed to your name or your will, we just command it to be restrained and bound in Jesus' name. We forbid the enemy of God from having any influence and effect in our thinking right now, in our interpretation of Scripture or anything like that. In Jesus' name, we give ourselves holy to you, God, as we endeavor to know you more today. Amen. All right, so let's get started here. You can open your Bible to the Old Testament. We're going to be uh, jumping between the Old and New Testament today, but Jeremiah 29, 11. You may know that verse, and you may already be reciting it in your head. Uh, so let's go ahead and read that, and then we're going to back the bus up and talk about some things. So Jeremiah 29.11 says this. This is God speaking. For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. He's saying this through the prophet Jeremiah. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In verse 12, he says, you will call to me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Okay, so just a couple of things contextually before we really break this down. um, Contextually, God is speaking this to the prophet Jeremiah in the midst of the exile of the nation of Israel and specifically of Judah. 
Israel was split into two kind of kingdoms in this time. There was the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern of Judah. Jeremiah is speaking this to exiles who have been brought through captivity to Babylon. So this is a specific word from God to these uh, Israelites who are now living in a foreign country, in a foreign context, in a foreign land. Everything that was theirs has been stripped away and they're living in exile in Babylon. That's what the context of this is. And this summer, as I've been just processing this and other verses, I feel like God has um, just brought some conviction to my own life as a general rule, uh, especially in our church culture, not just Mountain Park, but, but all over, in the West especially. We love verses like Jeremiah 29, 11 and 12. We love them. You may know them. You may quote them. We love hearing messages about them. We love the idea that's behind them. But what we fail to do is understand the greater context of Scripture. So often, even in our churches and in our preaching and in our teaching, we cherry pick the ideas of God that we like and the things of the Bible that encourage us and inspire us, and we need those things, but we, we spend our whole life focusing on uh, different shreds of thought, different concepts and, and, and disconnected ideas about God, but not actually reading and knowing and understanding the entirety of Scripture. So our, our whole life is really built on this foundation of specific doctrines or precepts or ideas of God that are somewhat loosely connected, but we don't actually have an enmeshed full picture of God. And so we approach our Christian life the way that we approach Jeremiah 29, 11, and 12. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you have a plan for my life. I'm, I rejoice in that. And if our day is going bad, we, we say, God, I'm going to quote this over my day. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we don't actually know what verse 1 to 10 says. And those are essential to our understanding of verse 11 and 12. And so often we take isolated theology and isolated you know, components of Scripture and we we spend our time immersing ourselves in them, but not in the whole text. And one of the things that God has been reminding me of in this last season is, Andrew, the Bible's not about you. It's not even necessarily for you. Of course, in some relationship uh, between God and I, it is. But his question to me is not, do you understand ideas and principles of me, but do you know me through the entirety of Scripture? Do you know the different parts of me that maybe are less understood. And so we're going to take a look at this. I, I was thinking about this illustration. Uh, growing up, I had a, a, a favorite actor, and I could quote lines from his different movies. And I'm going to quote a few, and you can just tell me, like, even add in the comments here who you think it is. You could even, if you'd like, you could rate my performance here in, um, in my interpretation of his voice and um, accent, if you want. So uh, one of his most famous movie lines is, it's not a tumor. That's one. You know who it is yet? Or, put the cookie down. 
That's another one of his famous lines. One of the hugely famous lines from my child was, hasta la vista, baby. Or lastly, I'll be back. Do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. So you can go ahead and tear up my, uh, my German accent there, but um, it's actually Austrian, he's Austrian. I loved Arnold Schwarzenegger growing up in his movies. I think the very first movie my parents brought me to in the theater was Terminator 2, actually. I distinctly remember that. I was in junior high. The very first movie I went to in the theater was Terminator 2, um, where he says, hasta la vista, baby, that line. That just captivated me. And I thought I knew Arnold Schwarzenegger. I knew his movie quotes. I had watched a bunch of his movies. And I thought, I, like, I loved him. I thought I had a great idea of who he was. Then after high school, I read his autobiography. And when I read his autobiography, I realized that I had no idea who he actually was or what he was actually about. Actually, after I read his autobiography, my impression of him changed dramatically. He no longer became the person that I was looking up to in life because I understood more completely in its entirety who he was as a man and as a person. And there were many things in his life, self-admittedly from him, that were not honorable to model my life after. And so often we treat scripture this way. We know a few quotes, um, and therefore we think we know God or we know the entirety of scripture, but we don't. And so God calls us to actually understand the entirety. So let's just back up for a moment and go back to Jeremiah 29, verse 1. This is going to help us uh, understand God, I believe, in a greater context, especially in this season right now where everything is, you know, been turned upside down in our world. And like, it seems like our world is on fire and, and just grasping at a few different ideas of God is not sufficient to give us peace and direction, not help us understand the place of God's promise. Jeremiah 29, 11 and 12 is the promise of God. But the place that the Israelites received the promise didn't look anything like the promise. So let's start Jeremiah 29, 1. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the remaining exiled elders. The priests, the prophets, and all the people Nebuchadnezzar had deported from Jerusalem to Babylon. So this is set in a historical context that actually did happen. This is what, after King Jeconia, the queen mother, the court officials, the officials of Judah, and Jerusalem. The craftsmen and the metalsmiths had left Jerusalem. So everybody's been deported. All of the most important people sociologically in the land are gone. Like everybody, they're gone. King Nebuchadnezzar uh, overtook Jerusalem, plundered it, killed many people, and deported all of the elite of the nation. So they're gone. The craftsmen, everyone. So Jeremiah sent this letter with Elisa, son of Shaphan, and Gamariah, son of Hilkiah, 
whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. The letter stated, all right, so again, Jeremiah is sending this letter. He's still there in Jerusalem. He's sending this letter to those people who have been exiled. They've lost everything. This is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel says to all the exiles. Again, so we've got to key in here. This is what the Lord, not Jeremiah, this is what the Lord is saying to those who are exiled. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Find wives for yourself and have sons and daughters. Find, uh, sorry, find wives for yourself, have sons and daughters, uh, to men, give your daughters in marriage to men that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply and do not decrease. Pursue the well-being of the city in which I have, I, so again, this is God speaking, in which I have deported you. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for when it thrives, you will thrive. God goes on. For this is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says. Don't let your prophets who are among you and your diviners deceive you. And don't listen to the dreams you elicit from them. So what is God saying so far? He's saying, look, your circumstance right now, as off as it seems from the promise that you thought I had for your life, your circumstances are the product of my doing. This is God saying this. I'm the one who deported you. So actually get used to it. Bear my name where you are. Plant yourself and root yourself there. Establish yourself because it's me who is behind all of this. It's not the devil doing it. It's not the devil causing you hardship and pain in this circumstance of your life that you don't like. It's actually me. I'm behind it. So get used to it, establish yourself there. And not only that, actually begin to pray for and seek the good of the place where you are. Usher my name and my kingdom into that place of brokenness and loss and everything going on there because it will go well for you. What is God saying? Stop living in the past and stop living for a future that doesn't exist right now. Walk in the, in the present. The place of God's promise is never in the past and it's not in the future. The place of his promise is in the present and knowing how to establish the kingdom of God in our lives, where we are, when we are, with what's happening around us. Like today, the Israelites, what they were doing is they were looking at their circumstance and they were going to certain prophets and spiritual leaders and asking them to prophesy peace for them, to prophesy an end to the struggle, an end to the trial. They were asking them to prophesy to them the things they wanted to hear. And God is saying, stop listening to them. Specifically, he says, stop having them interpret dreams that you want them to have for your life. Stop it. Root yourself where you are. I am where you are. Stop living for the past. Stop pining for the days that have gone long by. 
and stop thinking that the future is just around the corner. So I'm not going to actually establish or root myself here because I'm just waiting until it's all over. And isn't that so much the way we even approach this time in our society? Either we get caught in one of two ditches. So I want to leave the, or give you this illustration. There, think of a road. And the middle of the road is the present. That's the present tense where we find ourselves right now. On the left is the ditch of the past. And on the right is the ditch of the future. And so often in our lives, even right now, this is something I'm wrestling with is I so easily get caught in the ditch of the past. God, I just wanted to go back to the way it was. <laughs> I just want church to go back to the way it was. I just want society to go back to the way it was. I'm tired of seeing all the struggle and the pain and the violence and the hurt and the confusion. God, it's too much. I want to go back to the way it was. So instead of actually reconciling to what it is, I live for what it was. Or I get caught in the ditch on the right, which is the future. God, I can't wait till this is all over. I can't wait to see what you have in store for me. God, I know the plans you have for me. So I'm actually going to get stuck. I'm going to stall out in living for the future. But God is a God of the present. Do you realize all through the Gospels and the New Testament, the call of Jesus for his disciples is not to live in the past and not to live in the future, but to live in the moment and in the present. The place of God's promise for your life is not in what happened in the past and it's not what will take place in the future. It's in the present. I think this is part of why God calls it a narrow road because it's hard to live in the present. And God is saying to these exiles, stop trying to go back to the way it was. There's nothing left for you in Jerusalem. There's nothing left there. And he's saying to them, don't get stuck waiting for things to just change. Follow me today. Build your houses establish yourselves, pray for your city today, root yourselves in the present because I know the plans I have for you, because I'm faithful, because I see the picture that you cannot see. So what do we do when the promise of God, when what we feel like the promise of God for our life and our present doesn't line up, what do we do? This is what it goes on to say in, uh, in Jeremiah. This is God's declaration. Um, listen, your prophets are prophesying falsely in my name. They're telling you, peace, 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 there'll be peace, just hold on, uh, don't get settled here, don't do these things, ignore them, because I know the plans that I have for you. Then God goes on to say this, you will call to me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you where you are when you are, 
If you search for me with all your heart, root yourself and establish yourself in the present, I will be found by you. But if you continue to live in the past or continue to wait for some, you know, God's perfect future for my life. God, what is your perfect plan for me? God, what is, you know, um, what is coming down the pipe? What is in store for me? If we live in those ditches, we will not hear the voice of God for the present in our life. So he's saying, settle in, into the present. Don't look to the past. And don't trust the people who are just telling you what you want to hear. Don't read just the passages of Scripture that tell you what you want to hear. Read the entirety of it. And we struggle with things like this. When it's God saying of himself, I'm the one who deported you. So don't blame it on the devil. So many of you, and I, and I get this, the, the devil is always at work, but I've heard so many people say, well, the devil is just having a heyday. He might be, but I actually sense God's hand in this season of our world's events, that God is the one who is bringing us to this moment of refining, that God is the one who's bringing us to a moment of discipline. He's bringing us to this moment just like for the Israelites, the purpose of their exile was that of discipline. It was God's discipline on their life. It was his refining and his purging of the crap in their lives. So don't just get caught blaming this all on the devil or even our current circumstance. It's actually part of God's doing, I believe. He calls us to walk in the present. So we get trapped in the past in a few ways. Number one, we get trapped by shame. Shame traps us in the past. We can't move on if we're actually bound to shame in our life. We get trapped by regret. If only I would have done this, then this would have worked out different. If only I made this choice, then what I'm experiencing now would be different. We get trapped in regret. And we get trapped in the past when we have secrets that we've concealed from God and concealed from others. We can never move forward from the past when we're walking in shame, when we're walking in regret, or when we're walking with secrets in our life. The Bible says, forget the former things. That's Isaiah writing to the same exiles. <laughs> forget the former things. In the New Testament, Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Stop living in the past. Stop just waiting for things to go back to the way it was. Live in the present. God, what are you doing and saying in my life today in the present? There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So here's how you know if it's condemnation or conviction. It's the Holy Spirit that brings conviction. Condemnation from the devil is always generalized. It's not specific. It's like, oh, you're always a failure, Andrew, or you'll never be good in this way, or you'll always do things like that. That's condemnation. It's never specific. It's always overgeneralized, and it always makes us feel like our whole life is a burning heap of mess. But the conviction of the Holy Spirit is specific. When he brings conviction to our life, 
from things from the past or different patterns of our present, that conviction is very specific. He will put his finger on very specific things and invite you and I to bring it into the light in this way, releasing us from the bondage of living under condemnation and in the past and the trap of the future. The future traps us by uh, basically holding us captive and holding us in this kind of holding pattern like a plane of what could be. But I don't want to make a mistake right now, God, so I'm not going to do what I think you should because I'm terrified of making a mistake. This was, the, this was my life for so much of it. God, I don't want to make a mistake or make a wrong choice. So I'm going to wait here somehow magically so that what could be does happen. But the Bible never calls us to live for the future. We get trapped by what could be. The future traps us with what we want, what our ideal picture of. God, this is your calling for my life. And more than that, your calling looks like this in my life. And this is the timing of your calling in my life. The picture of what we want, even in this season, is holding us hostage and actually um, it's, it's causing us to struggle to live faithfully today in the present because we're, we're actually paralyzed by what we want for the future. The future traps us with what we demand God does. Do you know this? I just, this occurred to me this summer that our future plans, just think of your own right now, our future plans, yours and mine, almost always wholly center on us. Just go through your future plans. Well, this is what my family's gonna look like and this is what my job is gonna look like. This is what retirement will look like. This is what I'm gonna do after I retire. This is you know, the money that I have saved up and I'm not saying it's not wise to save and be wise with your things today, but so often if we're honest, all of our plans and ideas for the future have 100% to do with us and very little to do with God. So if all we are is fixated on us and what we want, how can we possibly hear the direction of God today? If we're living in the future, it's a ditch that will hold us paralyzed. So how do we live in the present? Matthew 6.33, you may know that. I'll just read it for you. Matthew 6.33, this is Jesus speaking. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided to you. So how do we live in the present? God is calling us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And he promises, just like in Jeremiah 29, 11, he promises all these things will be given to you. But your job right now, your responsibility is to seek me first. So what is it that the kingdom of God is? This is a big question. Many books have been written about it and we can't fully cover it here. I wanna leave you with a central thought. God's actions constitute his kingdom. God's kingdom is the effective range of his will. So God's kingdom is wherever what he wants done is done. The only place God's kingdom is not fully immersed is on the earth. 
So God's kingdom is where he is present and what he wants to accomplish is fulfilled. That's the effective range of God's kingdom. What does it mean then to seek his kingdom? It means to look for everywhere in our life, the places and things and whatever. It means for us to look for what God wants to do and accomplish. To look for the action and activity of God. When Jesus said the kingdom of God is near or at hand, what he was literally saying was it's available right now. You can walk in the present tense kingdom of God by seeking and joining his activity and his action. It's us coming into alignment with what God desires for us, for the moment, for the day, for the hour, whatever it is, for our families, for our job, for our social spheres, for our churches, our communities, and our cities. That is what it means. What does it mean to seek? It means to look everywhere for it. Not just come to church once a week, but to spend your life looking everywhere for God's activity and his presence. I just, a couple weeks ago, we just spent uh, two nights at a, a camp near uh, London. And on the way there, Rochelle said, I forgot my phone. My phone is at home. And there was that first moment of panic, like what am I gonna do for two or three days without my phone? We got through that and I had to leave early. So she said to me, when you get home, I need you to look for my phone. So when I got home, I looked everywhere for her phone. I looked in our bedroom, I looked in the closet, I looked in the basement, I looked in the kitchen, I looked in the laundry room, I looked under the cushions, I looked in the toilets, I looked everywhere for the phone. I spent a good hour just trying to find her phone. I was seeking her phone and I couldn't find it. And I said to her that night on the telephone, I said, I can't find it, hun. And she said, well, it's gotta be somewhere. And I said, it is nowhere. Like your phone is nowhere. And she said, ah, you don't even know how to look, which is partly true a lot of the time. So she said, I'll find it when I get home. She got home. She looked in all of the places that I did. And as she ticked them off the list, she started to get panicked more and more. She's like, I can't find it anywhere. Then all of a sudden, she came down from downstairs with a big smile on her face. She said, I found it. I said, where was it? She said, it was in the pocket of my house coat. My mind as a man immediately goes to, well, who wears a house coat? And secondly, who puts stuff in the pockets of house coats? They're not for putting things in, it's just for show. Anyway, that's my own problem. But she searched for it diligently and she found it. And the Bible promises if you look for God everywhere in your life, if you abandon yourself to finding the activity and coming into alignment with the will and desire of God, you will find it in your life. But if you live in the ditch of the past, and if you live in the ditch of the future, you will never find the present will and desire and kingdom of God for your life. So God's kingdom is God in action. He says we will find what we're seeking for. The question we have is, what are you actually seeking for today? 
What do you spend most of your energy trying to do? What is your thought life consumed with? What are you actually seeking for? Because God says if you're seeking after him, if you're looking everywhere in your life for him, you'll find him. If you're seeking his desire for your finances and for your home life, for your marriage, for your children, for your work life, if you're seeking his desire and his plan for where you live and what you do, you will find it. But I think the question we need to ask ourselves, the hard question, is if we're not finding it, what are we actually seeking for? So many of us, and myself included in times, we feel like we, we don't know and can't see what God is doing. We feel like he's so distant and so far away from us. And the problem isn't on God's side. The problem is ours because we're seeking things and outcomes. We're seeking positions and titles and we're seeking relationships. We're seeking validation and we're seeking comfort and we're seeking control and we're seeking pleasure and we're seeking lust and we're seeking pride and we're seeking all of these things. We're seeking self-righteousness and we're seeking knowledge and we're seeking information and we're seeking, seeking, seeking so many things that are not God. So the question I have for you and for me today is what are we seeking? I read this quote this week that says, what you seek reveals who you are and who you wanna become. So if we just kind of put our lives on a table right now, pictures or say we had film of our lives of the last few months, and everything we spent all of our energy and emotion and time doing, would it point to hearts that are genuinely seeking God? Or would it point to hearts and lives that are seeking almost everything but? And then we show up on Sunday and we say, God, we're seeking you. But the basis of our life has nothing to do with him. I think that's the question that we need to wrestle with and answer. The Bible never tells us to live in the past or to live for the future. It says walk with Jesus in the present. So the question is how do we do that? I wanna leave you with a couple of things. Just practically, this is what I've been practicing. Number one, we need to get serious about how we read the Bible. One of the ditches that we fall into is we just take little pieces and paragraphs and snippets and theologies and doctrines. We try and learn them, but we actually don't read the Bible in its entirety. I want to challenge you. You can still get on board with us and our plan to read the Bible through the year. Uh, don't let the fact that maybe you started and then it, it you know, dropped off stop you. Let's get back on that bus and read the entirety of scripture. Read every part of it because it's all breathed by God 
for our lives. We need to read the hard parts and the good parts. And we don't need to read for information. We need to read for relationship. Our desire is not just to know about God, but it's to know him relationally. I want to challenge you today to get back on regular reading of your Bible. You can uh, email me if you want, andrew at mp.church. I'll, I'll help connect you to the reading plan that I'm on. You can read our morning words on our Instagram and Facebook every morning to help stay on that. But you need to read the whole Bible, not just periodically come back to the parts that you want. The second thing that I want to leave with you is uh, there are three kind of basic questions I feel like God has been asking me every time I come to that an intersection moment in my life in the last six months where I've said, God, I don't know what to do right now because I don't know what the future looks like in the past. I don't want to live in that. He's come back to three basic questions of me that are all related to the present. And these can help you today as they've helped me. When I don't know what to do, when the promise and the place I'm standing in don't seem to line up, when I feel like the Israelites, I'm standing in exile, but somehow God says he has a, a plan for my life, but I can't see it. He keeps bringing me back to these three things. One, Andrew, are you walking in intimacy with me? Are you spending time in prayer and in the word? Are you daily seeking me? Question two, Andrew, are you walking in obedience to me? Are you being faithful with the things that I call you to do in the present? As best you can today, Andrew, have you been faithful with what I've called you to do? Number three, are you walking in the spiritual authority that I've given you? Are you walking in victory over sin? Are you addressing uh, hidden areas of your life? Are you walking in confession between God and other people? Are you exercising the spiritual authority that I've given to you? Every day, you can answer and ask these questions. God, I don't know what the future holds, and I can't trust what happened in the past, but today, God, I will choose to be intimate with you. I will take time in prayer and in reading your word. Today, I will be obedient to the things that I feel you convicting me of, and today I will exercise my spiritual authority. So how do you start again? It's simple. You begin with the very next choice. The very next thing, just right now in your life, the very next thing that comes up where you have a choice to follow in obedience to God or to go your own way, that's your moment of decision. And that's how you get back onto the road that God is calling you on to live in the present. The place of God's promise for your life and my life isn't in the past, it's not in the future, it's in the present. And this was the call of God to the exiles in Babylon. Build your houses. Send your kids off in marriage. Pray for your broken city now. Don't wait for the past to be remade and don't wait and sit around for a future that doesn't exist. 
follow me today. And if you look for me, if you seek me with everything and in every place of your life, in all of your relationships, in all of your work environments, in all of your church environments, your social environments, all of that, if you seek for me everywhere, you will find me. And when we do, we find rest and peace. Jesus said in Matthew 11, 28 to 30, come to me, you who are weary and heavy burdened, and you will find rest for your souls. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. This is how I lived, Jesus is saying. Learn from me and you will find rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's a way for us to walk in peace today. There is. And it's to walk in the present with the Spirit of God right behind us the love of Jesus leading us forward. Let's pray. Father, we just even take a moment right now to just invite you to come and bring us the conviction necessary. Where are we living in the past? Father, we invite you to just, um, through your Holy Spirit, to bring to mind any areas of shame or regret or any secrets that we're carrying that are keeping us bound in the past. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to just bring us conviction of any areas of the future that we are waiting for, that we are desiring, that are all about us. What we want, what we have planned, the way we've timed it. And we ask that you would teach us, Holy Spirit, to be faithful in the present, to walk in intimacy with God today, to walk in obedience to him today, and to walk in the authority that he's given us for life and godliness. We hope that you are challenged and inspired by what you heard today, and that you're willing to allow God to work in and through your life in bigger ways this week. We'd love to stay connected with you on social media, facebook.com slash mountainparkchurch and instagram.com slash mountainparkchurch. Finally, if you have a story of how God has been working in and through you, we'd love to hear it. Just email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in your life lately.